guys. Welcome back. It's Alana. And Jacqueline. And we're back for another episode of Black and Yellow. Hey, hey, hey. Body positivity. Body positivity day. It is. Jackie, I have a confession to make. Tell me, girl. All right. So I realize that I am a skinny, cisgender, lighter-skinned African-American girl, but... So am I. (laughs) I realize we're all of those things, cisgender as well, but... I'm not down with the body positivity movement. I feel like it was a movement that was started and created on the backs of beautiful black women. And it has been robbed and whitewashed by heavier set white women on social media. I feel like they co-opted off of the labor of black women and are using are now the faces of body positivity because Mm. their skin Yes. In society is conventionally more beautiful yes. and we accept that color skin no matter what sort of body it is covering mm-hmm. more than we accept darker skin, black mm-hmm. skin, African-American skin. Mm. <sighs> I feel like I just went to church. <laughs> I know. Let it out, girl. It was a lot. It was a lot. Let it go with that flower in her hair. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so you're telling me that... You believe that black women, black people have been celebrating body positivity in your everyday experience, in your life, before this movement ever happened. I don't believe. I know. You know. You I feel know in the bottom of your heart. Absolutely. Deep into my pelvic floor, to yes. the soles of my feet, oh, into the roots of we the are earth in church. that touch my ancestors. Yes. I know that black women started the body positivity movement i know that for decades we have been celebrating curves the men in our community celebrate our curves we've been doing it for decades and and so how does that just let me in into your world a little bit since we all know uh i I know i know what it's like to be a curvy black woman (laughs) um what what is that what is that like what does that feel like what is that on a like So I feel like when it comes to body positivity, I feel like I literally live in a black and white world Mm. where growing up, my family celebrated their curves. They were beautiful, always finding new, innovative, great ways to dress them, to Mm. showcase them. And you would hear your aunties talk about verbally, verbally, definitely aunts, uncles, cousins, like talking about how beautiful they look. Yes. Or how much they like those curves. You got them tiggle bitties or Uh that booty looks good. Like Uh all of those great statements those really positive self-love statements i've been hearing those since i was a kid interesting and i feel like when i would go hang out with my white friends if i ever heard about body talk more often than not it was maybe my white friend's mom complaining that she needs to lose like five or ten pounds or she feels so fat so it wasn't necessarily Hmm. i don't remember a ton of positive self-talk coming from my white friend's groups and were they did did they tend to be also already pretty curvy or was it just sort of not like bad or good but but that but that it it was still more towards the negative side of like oh i have to fit this form of society as a white woman anyone being super obese like i don't remember anyone being on the larger Mm. side i just remember if i heard positive self-talk it was usually from 
the black community. Right. If I heard, I have to lose 10 pounds, I need to tone up, I need to lose weight, I, re- I would clock it as something that I would hear in the white community. I see. So it seems to me, which I'm sort of having this epiphany right now after we decided to do the subject, is it's sort of like the like white society or white America or especially white women sort of did it to themselves in a way. Mm. Like... Like normalize that kind of talk. Yeah. So we. So let's say we. I'm speaking like as if I'm the white women. But we. So let's say something along. Follow me along. It might be yeah. a little crazy here, or it might be all over the place. Like the ad companies, Victoria's Secret, Dove, so on and so forth. All these others. You know, airbrushing. They started all of that, and then there was a backlash amongst either their own kind or others, and so then. As a result of creating this world that is the perfect size zero model or this world that sort of has appreciated that and reveres that, meaning mostly white people that have revered that, in turn created this body positivity movement that they themselves sort of had to oh, create because of, do you know what i mean like they created the monster so now they're creating the solution yes, to kill you. the monster thank you so much i don't know you if don't... i would 100% agree with and that I, i'm only saying this not necessarily like solely white people i think people who were of color in that world were detrimentally affected by it n- n- like of nonetheless they had they were of course because they you know were already a different size or a different color but it just seems like only because you say that the bla- that black people have celebrated and been and done body body positivity for as long as you can remember, and then all of a sudden this whole movement of body positivity sprung. So I don't know. I just I, it seems like well, I, I think body positivity has always been around. It just hasn't always been coined body positivity, right? By the media, right? Right. Exactly. And the minute the media does anything like that, hashtag whatever, right? Right. It becomes a thing, right? And you for, put that together with ads and totally. commercials. Because for baby Alana, baby Alana. Oh, well, you know I love that word. <laughs> Because for baby Alana, it wasn't, oh, my family is practicing body positivity. For baby Alana, it was just normal for women to talk about their bodies in positive ways. Right. I also think that's that's something, I mean, I'm not white, so I don't know. Um, if that's one thing I've, I've experienced with black people and Latinos. Yeah. Latin culture. And even some yeah. places in Europe, mm-hmm. it's... It's 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 very different the way they talk and see and think about their own bodies. It's totally. very, very different. Absolutely. I feel like Latinos are way more open and expressive. And I feel like maybe the curvier types of cultures generally seem to practice the body positivity uh, culture already from the start. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Hmm. Think about well, I think that. the white standard of beauty has, we can't like negate the white standard of no, beauty. No, of course because, not. It's in our face. Right. And also, it's the white standard of beauty. So, right. if anyone's going to uphold it, it's going to be white people who are genetically, I'm using that in air quotes because I feel like who is genetically one thing? No one. Right. No one. Yes. Right. But the assumption is that they are predispositioned to be fair skinned, blue eyes, yes. light hair, and on the slimmer side. And if you think, if you take it way back to Hollywood and movies, you know, amongst most cultures, you'll always find 
someone saying, you know, so-and-so was beautiful and she's a blue-eyed blonde right. girl. Um, even, you know, my mom says that too and, and mm-hmm. things like that, which is just, you know, it's just Hollywood and the 50s and the 40s and and the exposure to that. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. So. so before we get too far ahead, let's define body positivity. Let's do it. Shall we? Okay, so... Wikipedia defines body positivity as a social movement rooted in the belief that all human beings should have a positive body image. In doing so, it challenges the ways in which society presents and views the physical body. The movement advocates the acceptance of all bodies, no matter the form, size, or appearance. Okay, that last bit again. The movement what? The movement advocates the acceptance of all bodies, Mm. no matter the form, the size, or the appearance. Yes. I think all of those things are definitely true. Yes. The reason that the body positivity movement for me is a tough one is mm. because I feel like when it comes to larger African-American women in the media, they are often portrayed as being lazy or somehow promoters of an unhealthy lifestyle, unhealthy diet or uh, promoting obesity just for like sheer joy of being overweight. Right. Right. Because, of course, everyone just wants, wants to, to promote be, that yeah. everyone wants to be right. all of those and terrible things. Right. I don't get it. I think the way that we talk about our larger African-American celebrities is vastly different than the way that we talk about our Caucasian overweight celebrities. To me, I think of a Rebel Wilson. Yeah, and I'm a Melissa McCarthy. Or Melissa McCarthy versus a Gabourey Sidibe. Mm-hmm. The girl from Precious. Yeah. We talk, or... um ghostbusters leslie jones oh, oh i love her who, exactly amazing but gorgeous. i feel like gabbara sidibe is i think howard stern once called her the the biggest fat black chick he's ever seen oh my god but rebel wilson and melissa mccarthy yeah get to be quirky yeah fun yeah uh hilarious yeah. over the top right enjoyable white women yeah who just happen to be fat right right Versus Gabourey. Right. And Rebel Wilson has gone on record and said that she gained weight to further her career. Like, that was a conscious choice. I don't know if Gabourey Sidibe is in the same boat. No. Gabourey Sidibe was just naturally her own. Well, she was selected to play Precious amongst, like, a handful of black girls. Yeah. And that was her first movie. Like. Totally. She didn't get, gain weight to play Precious. Right. She was just her. Right. I think the point that I'm making is like when it comes to. It's crazy that Rebel Wilson said that. I mean, you know, I think it's all part of her brand. Oh, totally. But I think when it comes to larger women in mainstream media, I'm also thinking of someone like an Ashley Graham or a Tess Holiday. Ashley yeah. Graham, I think, just did Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. I think yeah. she was the first. She plus was the first plus size model. But supposedly she's a size 14 which some people are still having problems with that because the average American woman's size is a size 16. Right. <laughs> so it's just like... I mean, listen, you can't win them all. Or I know. like a Tess Holiday who went viral. She has that F your beauty standard hashtag that totally went uh, viral and now she signed to a major modeling agency. Right. I feel like when we're talking about white women who are heavyset in mainstream media, they still f- check the box of being conventionally desirable. Yeah, yeah, to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah, versus just celebrating. Like, they still have to fit some sort of, check some boxes. Right, because even even though they're they're plus size, quote unquote, 
or larger women, as I guess some like middle Americans would say, they're still white. So they're still in a container, a colored container yeah. that we can understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that the media tells us. And they all have that same similar look. Yeah. Like still like the long, like wavy, like Victoria's Secret hair. Correct. Right? Correct. And like just curvy enough, but still a pretty flat stomach, slender face. Right. Exactly. Conventionally. Yeah. And I think that it, there's colorism also exists when you're talking about African-American uh, women that are a part of this movement. I think when brands and when advertisers are choosing their body positive models, it is the, the fact that no darker skinned African-American mm-hmm. models or I would say like the African-American models tend to look more ethnically ambiguous yes. than straight up black yeah. with, you know, midnight skin. Yeah. I rarely ever see that. I right. also feel like they're either pear shaped or hourglass. Right. You know, like yeah. conventionally curvy, beautiful yeah. as opposed to maybe a different type of curvy right. that we're not so used to seeing but isn't any less beautiful. Mm-hmm, I agree. Let's talk about something that Go doesn't exist Go for it. body positivity, <laughs> <laughs> which are thick Asian girls. Body positivity yeah. for Asian girls. Right. So here's something that my answer your questions mm-hmm. of the lack of representation as usual about um of Asians mm-hmm. it could be attributed to the lower percentage of the plus size Asian women the 2015-2016 CDC reports on obesity rates among adults in the US show that Asian women had the lowest rate of obesity at just 14.8% compared to 38 of white women and 54.8% of African-American women. So this might provide some insight, but it definitely doesn't give us answers. Or excuse the fact that curvy or Asian girls are not featured right. in mainstream ads, beauty campaigns, right. etc. So it's ironic because as I was thinking about this episode, I looked back at all the ads that I've seen, the, the famous Dove ads, uh, when Torrid, Torrid, is that the mm-hmm. fashion? T-R-R-I-D, yeah. Um, yeah. Even just me as an actor, actress going out and auditioning, I've ran into, when, I, when I'm doing certain print jobs, I've ran into some uh, plus-size women models mm-hmm. at auditions, just auditioning for a different project, and... I rarely ever do see an Asian model. And even, like you said, when I do, even if on ad or in person, they're pretty ambiguous. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're Filipino. I don't know if they're a little mix. Um, When Marie Claire released their 2018 list of most famous plus-size models in the world, only one was of Asian descent. Nadia, I hope I'm not butchering this, Abulsan, who's also half Lebanese. What a mix. Yeah, she's beautiful. Uh, and surprisingly, that Marie Claire list still featured more Asian models than other magazines. So, wow. meaning most magazines didn't feature any. Um, so, you know, the lack of reputation for Asians in across America mm-hmm. is is pretty known now, yeah. and it's getting better. But I think the issue is that, for whatever reason, they're still choosing to filter out. 
the casting or the the I guess the uh, representation of plus size Asian women and still choosing to decide to show a curvier Latina woman or a curvier black woman or even a curvier white woman and that is still filtered through some sort of white lens yeah right whoever's casting the project mm-hmm. or because you have to understand that whoever's going to see these ads, there's going to be some Asian, little Asian American girl right. or an Asian American woman mm-hmm. who is curvy. And I've seen Definitely. a lot of curvier Asian women. And it's, I guess, I've never thought about that because like you said, I have a smaller frame. I don't have many curves, right. although I wish I did. <laughs> um, I thought, you know, when Crazy Rich Asians came out, I thought, man, I've gone my whole life without seeing a full cast of Asian movies. It really feels pretty shitty. And so I can only imagine a younger Asian curvier woman never seeing someone who looks just like them in commercials. So what, do they don't exist? So I'm all alone. So I'm a freaking alien. So I'm a weirdo in this world. And I might as well just have higher rates of depression and they and all those kinds of stuff that it, that is included with this body positivity movement for sure because that absence speaks volumes yeah that absence of the curvier asian model or let's add some more to that the curvier darker skinned asian model curvier dark skin non-able body darker mm-hmm. asian trans model. all kinds of stuff yeah i mean you're by just promoting one type of Asian girl, you're essentially saying that the, all the, the plethora of others don't exist yeah. or are not worthy of a platform. Right. And definitely, uh, I feel like weight discrimination is just as prevalent as racial discrimination. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, more along the lines of it feels the same, you For know, sure. where you know you're different because of your size. And um, there was this really good uh, article on rewire.org. It says that research has shown that overweight and obese people face stigma and discrimination when it comes to employment, healthcare, education, stereotyped as lazy, unmotivated, and sloppy. According to one study, weight discrimination is as prevalent as racial discrimination. Another study found that college students who were shamed about their weight were more likely to become depressed and less likely to make friends. So if you put in social media, YouTube, Tumblr, Instagram, all these things that continuously promote this mm-hmm. one type of body. And, yeah. and let alone that you're bombarded by these images and these thoughts. And imagine your own thoughts of, you know, criticizing yourself and constantly telling yourself that you're not a certain size, shape, color. Yeah. And many people that aren't comfortable in their own skin already, you know. Does body positivity exist in Asian culture? Yeah, I was just going to get to that. <laughs> No, not really. Uh, okay. We're pretty hard on mothers and ourselves. We're pretty hard on my whole life. I struggled with my weight in, you know, in high school and moving into college. Um, I have a, I'm 5'4". I have a pretty small frame. And I think at one point I was almost 140 pounds. Wow. Which is pretty, like, thick. Yeah. Um, And so uh, I remember... This was between high school and college, and I was kind of going back and forth between home on the weekends and college during the week and, or family gatherings. And I remember for a long time, every time I went to a family gathering, it was, you know, you're too fat or you're too skinny or when are you going to lose weight? And you, I mean, this is, there's parodies about this. You ask any Asian son or mostly daughters, you know, the whole thing of like, when are you going to get married? You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like, you're too skinny. You need to eat more. You need to eat less. 
uh, we're pretty hard on ourselves, and I think our our elders are extremely even more harder on ourselves, right. on us. I mean, and then you're balancing the Asian the Asian beauty standard and the Western beauty standard, which then if is a whole nother you know type of confusion mm-hmm. but body positivity is not practiced in the asian community that's for sure got um, it we're pretty expected to stay and look one size <laughs> got that i mean i definitely feel you on that one college is a tough time college is definitely a time where you're overeating you're over drinking you're over partying you're also and stressed like everyone's AF. Mom something to say because my mom definitely had something to say Oh, you mean about, about like, your, bot, your weight? The college weight gain. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not that yeah. I'm trying to undercut anything about oh, what you're talking not about. not at all. But, like, dude, college will... Fuck college messes up. everybody up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that the the current state of the body positivity movement feels very whitewashed. Mm. And I think that an article by Ashley Shackelford puts it perfectly. So she wrote an article called The Body Positive Movement Still Looks Like White Feminism. And she wrote it for WearYourVoice.com. And here's the problem that she so brilliantly outlines. Fat women and femmes of color are ignored, while those who are lighter skinned are hyperhumanized. This works in conjunction with fat phobia. Darker-skinned, fat, black women and femmes are demonized and juxtaposed as the direct opposite of the beauty standards that promote white, thin, femme bodies as a universal goal. Gabourey Sidibe is a primary example of why body positivity and fat acceptance does not privilege women or femmes of color. If so, Gabby would have the platform that Melissa McCarthy or Rebel Wilson has. We never regard Gabby as a forerunner in the body positive movement, although her representation and presence is imperative for everyone. Seeing a darker skinned black woman who black woman who is not shaped like an hourglass, who does not have a small petite, who doesn't have small petite features and who is unapologetic is powerful and necessary. I couldn't agree more. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think along the lines of just the Asian representation, you're making movies, you're telling stories that have to be universal, right? Your themes, your messages. So why aren't you casting or celebrating people that are also universal and so on and so forth? Because the, the subtext, it feels from greater society that love Rebel and love Melissa, but hate Gabourey is, ugh, she's fat. I'm forced to look at her. Yeah. She's dark. She's right. not really that pretty. Right. Why should yeah, I be praising totally. her again? Well, like, the, that's what it feels it like. It does. It's like you go to the movies to feel good. You go to the movies right. to escape. You right. go to the movies not to face your your situation at home with your loved ones or your financial situation or whatever. You, uh, movies are meant to go and escape. So why would you go and escape and see something that you don't want to see and feel shitty? And, which, But to me, like again, like that is such flawed and fucked up. Thinking. It is because there's someone out there who's going to go to the movies and see Gabrielle Cinema and love it and also feel good. Right. That's the problem. And those two people are probably not the same people. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, they're not. Yeah. So I I feel like the, the body positive movement has a long way to go. And again, like I said earlier in the episode, it just feels like white. Well, it's white people telling the story of body positivity. It's white people, right. t- you know, doing the ads and selling the ads and casting and creating these, you know, uh, these spots that are, are really not... Uh, diverse enough. Totally. Stephanie Yiba 
wrote about this a similar sentiment in an article for LUK. She says, while people within the po- the body positive community have to deal with gender equality and size equality, women of color have to deal with all of the above, as well as race equality and colorism, which means it's so important to include all bodies regardless of color and to give a voice to those who are not fairly represented. Mm-hmm. So that would be for darker skinned, heavier set black women. That would be for curvy Asian girls. Yeah. Dark skinned curvy Asian girls. Yeah. You, they exist. There's a lot of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I feel like the body positive movement in that regard feels like white feminism. Like mm. it doesn't feel intersectional. It doesn't feel like we're telling as many stories as we can because yeah. there's still a standard with which we have to uphold. So yeah, apparently. And I mean, we live in a deeply fat phobic society. Let's just yeah, for sure. Let's just like get that straight. Yeah, completely. I mean. The shows on on TV, too, you know, sort of like those TLC shows that, you know, go into people's homes and yeah, like all of that sort of is sort of meant to just, I don't know, not necessarily perpetuate that, but I think it's just playing on the idea of like this fat phobic society, you know, they are going to tune in and watch this because of that. Yeah, for sure. You know? And also like just simply living in Trump's America. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I oh. think plays a- another factor as well where it's like, well, if we're so going to have to care about fat people, make them at least white at fat least. people and yeah. we can tolerate them. Right. We don't want any, uh, uh, any Mexicans that are actually going to provide a majority of the labor force in almost every occupation in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. We don't want them. Right. Like, let's 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 let them at least be fat. Right, exactly. And non-educated. <laughs> and it's a tricky line that we're walking here because I think in this eight listen, social media definitely ramped up the body positive movement. Completely. Without a doubt. Yeah. And there's a lot of noise on social it's, media. There's so it's almost like it's sickening. Like mm-hmm. I get a little like ah like yeah. stop. Enough. Yeah. Like I have to like exit out. Cause... I mean I, I know that our world is loud enough but there's a ton of noise on social and if you want to stand out and be seen you've got to for some people that's you that means you have to do it by any means necessary even if that means ripping off all the words that black people have that black women have spoken about the body positive movement taking them as your own and then when you get a platform it's a I, for me it seems like it's a lot harder for these white celebrities to turn around and be like but all of this would not be possible without black women and we got to represent <laughs> black women you know and every dollar that i'm making off the body positive movement i really shouldn't take it it should be for black folks right like, i don't see a white social media no. influencer doing That's that also unfortunately probably never gonna happen ever that will most likely happen from a black woman mm-hmm. right if she decides to and and yeah there's there's no way i mean like you said it's it's still very white feministic views mm-hmm. alive and well and i i mean with that that being said i i think there is that side of social media but i think social media also there there is this movement that many people are celebrating and have the option to celebrate and post their bodies um which is really great. I think like brands like H&M and ASOS, like I think I was on ASOS doing some online shopping a while ago and I just started seeing all these uh, uh, plus size models on there. Mm-hmm. ASOS Curve, I, be- I believe is their 
their other line, but like it was like blended. It it was like mixed with just like oh, I was just scrolling. Even like curve. It was just like size twelve. Size yeah, 16, it was. It was size, just like okay. it was like oh, wow, that, I like I like that shirt, but I could I could probably get that shirt in size zero. Right. But the mod, I'm not a size zero. I'll never be a size zero. But I mean, I could get it in my size. But the model that was featuring that shirt was a plus size model. Wonderful. Yeah, and I so love that. I think. You know, I think with every all the ups and downs of the positivity movement, uh, you know, there are brands and there are, I think, are companies that are really and, and how they market, mm-hmm. you know, are really trying to hopefully do it for the sake of uh, like it be more wholesome. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I yeah. definitely in prep for this episode got shades of the Me Too movement and Tarana Burke uh, and how Tarana Burke started the Me Too movement. I think it was 10, 11 years before the actual, before the hashtag and before the, the, the Hollywood scandals that led to a global conversation and it's continuing to lead to global change. Right. Um, she was almost at risk of being erased. Her work, Toronto's work. I think it was Alyssa Milano that was one of the first people to utilize the Me Too hashtag or somehow was able to bump it up into the cultural zeitgeist. Interesting. I think. And because it's Elizabeth Milano and yeah. who doesn't love her, she's gorgeous. She's been in our living rooms ever since she was a child. Right. Why would we not listen to her? Right. Even though that work was done by a black woman yeah. years back after, you know, before the fact. Yeah. That's that's some tough stuff. Yeah, and to me that's almost the bigger issue. Mm-hmm. Like body positivity is a a gateway into this conversation, but for mm-hmm. me the bigger issue is why is it that black women have to do so much labor that then is just like ripped off? Yeah, you I know see what, what you mean? mean. Yeah, it's 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 a tough thing when I I listen, I think the only way around that is if you are practicing or doing that or have or you know like you said Toronto Burke sort of already done and you just got to keep doing you just got to keep living because that's your truth and whether or not white society or white america acknowledges or honors you or takes something from you then it's i i I, i'm sure it must be really devastating but the only way is to keep spreading that love because if it is coming like you said if it is coming from a place of love and compassion then then it'll 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 last. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Regardless, if not society, um, have quotations mark or social media decides to highlight it. Right, but love and compassion doesn't speak as loudly as money and notoriety. No, it doesn't. You know? Yeah. Just, just there's no real answer to the question. No, there asking. isn't. It's just more of a like stream of consciousness. That is where I find myself. That's what Feeling that's the road that I found myself very, leaded to, led to. Yeah, when I was doing this research, right? And do you think a lot of Black people know about this stuff either? Like, oh, totally. Yeah, but again, within the Black community, we don't call it body positivity. They're just statements of self love. Yeah, you just live it. You say it. You express it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. I think we were talking on air about your definition of the body positive movement that was born out of... I think it was feministeveryday.com. It was an article that I was reading, and I thought it was really interesting because this lady seemed like she was not very happy about uh, everyday feminism. Yeah, she she was talking about how the term has changed a lot and what really... Well, she said the term body positivity was born out of treatment for anorexia recovery in 1996 when a psychotherapist and a woman who had personal experience with an eating disorder founded the bodypositive.org. So theirs is more from a place of... Recovering from trauma. Yes. 
versus just acknowledging what you already have. Right. Which maybe if they acknowledge what they already have, they would have never gone through a eating disorder. I don't know. I cannot speak to that. I cannot speak to that either, but... It just feels like that definition for me, I refuse to accept 100%. I think the difference is where you've come from is already... You already at a baby Alana had already been around the messages and the energies of of things that are going to influence your relationship with your body in a positive way. Hmm. Because you That's saw it, saying. you heard it, you felt it. And I think the deep issue with most women and their bodies is because they don't have a good relationship with their own body. Got it. Right? They either don't feed it good they don't treat it good. They don't think it's good. Everything that has to do with some sort of subconscious belief or psychological issues from trauma, from abuse, from parents. You know, like I've definitely had to go through some stuff with my aunts and my mom saying that I was too big or too fat or too skinny or not this, not that enough. Mm-hmm. Um And so I think it's really not necessarily about the exact dosage of how many cups of oatmeal you eat or how much body fat you weigh, but really having a really healthy relationship with your body, Mm -hmm. which is really about accepting the size and shape and color of it all. Regardless of where you are in life, because that's going to change as well. What My size at 15 and then at 25 and now almost at 30 is very different. Yeah, you know, oh, well, and hopefully sure. at one point it'll stay the same. But even like, let's if say when I get same, pregnant, that's impressive. I know, I hope so. Um, but I mean, even when I get pregnant and decide to have baby, like that's all that's all part of body positivity. That's True. loving my body after I've gained maybe who knows, 40 pounds from baby fat. Like, I think all of that is all encompassing. And that if you decide to not like your body for one day, you're not a horrible person. Right. You know? Yeah. And so. I think it can, there is that sort of one, that one definition of what it is, society, like the movement definition. Yeah. And I think some people think it's very different and and has had a lot of shifting meaning from, you know, commercials and ads and a lot of different companies. Yeah. But, but I, but I get that. It's it's it must be difficult from your point of view where you've been sort of living and practicing it, and then you have people and companies sort of profit off of something that yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Like you shouldn't yeah. I mean, you know, profit consumerism, like you said, it, it's gonna happen regardless. But yeah, but, but how think, many times have we said on the show like beauty and fashion built on the backs of blacks? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. blacks always at the cultural forefront of what's cool, what's going to be cool, and yep. what's out. Like I don't know, I. It's hard enough to be black, so the work that we do when it is then ripped off and co-opted by whites for their own personal gain, yeah, it, like, never stops sucking. Yeah, I guess. I guess just from an outside perspective, from what I was saying earlier, how because I I haven't really been in that world, whether whether negative body positive or, you know, the negative or the positive sides of it, is how I see that maybe they shot themselves, like you said, they created the monster and then they had to find a way to kill the monster. Got it. Like as an outside perspective, when I, I, I the only reason I say that is because that's, without knowing your experience, mm-hmm. that's what it feels like. Like, oh, we did this to ourselves and now not necessarily their intention was to, I don't know, but I don't know what I'm really saying here. I guess, 
I guess it's more of like, again, uh, of of them being like, oh, now we got to fix this. Mm. Now we got to shove as many Asian people. Now we got to like, you know, like make everything ethnic and diverse because we now we're like awake too because people are demanding, you know, like, I don't know. It's that it's that same theme for me a little bit here yeah. as well. So I just want to jump to a part of this podcast that I wanted to say earlier, but I completely missed my mind, uh, where I'm going to take it more international. Missed my mind. Uh, missed Left my me. mind. Uh, this is when I was talking about the whole Asian segment, uh, is that if you go to anywhere in Asia, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to find a plus-size model. Most plus-size models in Korea don't get hired and get made fun of most most plus-size women in general are, like, the butt of jokes. Like, in Korea, the wow. Saturday, there's, like, a Saturday Night Live version of Korea. And there's a whole segment of, like, more, I guess, not as pretty Korean girls. There's a segment where they, like, hit on guys. Okay. And they get made fun of a lot. Oh. It's very interesting and sad, uh, in a way. Yeah. But internationally, that kind of all may be cha- changing, hopefully. Uh, with the rise of Naomi Watanabe. Okay, okay, she Naomi, tell, talk to me. is from Japan, and she started out in comedy uh, about a decade ago, uh, best known for her Beyonce impersonations in Japan. Okay. Um, she's no, Her nickname is Japanese Beyonce. Uh, she has, had done, has done shows in Japan, Taiwan, and the United States. But she's actually transitioned from comedian to style icon. She has her own fashion line called Punyus. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and she's been in the front row of events like uh, like Gucci Spring Summer 2008 fashion show, and is now you know an entrepreneur of her own uh, right. her own clothing fashion brand. And uh, she's just I think attributed her. I think her her popularity and her rise to fame is because she's just unapologetically, unapologetically unbashed of like her size and mm-hmm. who she is, and is just living that truth. Right. Um, and so it's wonderful to see because here in America, like you, we touched upon Rebel Wilson and Melissa McCarthy, they can sort of, you know, play that funny sidekick or you know play that comedian role and sort of have that be part of them forever. But you never really see that. Anywhere else? Like, they're allowed to be that? Yeah, they're allowed to be the funny fat girl, but they're not the the gross funny fat girl yeah. you don't want to have sex with. Exactly. Yeah. And I think... I never even thought about... Honestly, I never even thought that that was a thing that could even happen in Asia. Oh, wow. uh, but to actually have someone like Naomi Watanabe in Japan possibly paving the way for other thick girls yeah. who are funny mm-hmm. or just good at fashion or just... Good, good singers, whatever they, that they're good at, and be known for that. Definitely, I always think it's good to be to have an outlier. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, even if the outlier is not someone who you can look at yourself, who you could look at and go, "I see myself in them," mm-hmm. but someone who's just breaking the mold and is just different. Yeah, that's always a good thing to have. Yeah, I completely agree. So, with that being said, you know, hopefully. Hopefully, in the Asian community, we can start to travel towards a more of like a body positivity type of culture and loving our bodies for the size and the shape 
that it is without being so overly critical. Um, As we Asians are known for being already very overly critical with everything. So I think it would be really beneficial to young girls and women in general in the Asian community to start to become, uh, you know, more acceptance of more accepting of sizes in general. For sure. I think what makes me feel guilty about ripping on the body positivity movement is that it is supposed to be a movement that is positive. Positive is... And you feel negative about it. Kind of. (laughs) Yeah, like it's supposed to be a positive thing. I don't have the greatest things to say, mainly because my sisters, like my my people, are being erased and forgotten in the movement in favor of centering white stories. Not just white stories, but white plus size models with high cheekbones and hourglass figures like those are the only ones that are allowed to exist and i feel like apparently exactly and i feel a a part of me almost feels like the body positivity is for white women like it's only for white people it's not for people of other races and that's why it it frustrates me that's why i had to make the, the confession at the top of the episode well i'm glad you did but i also think that mainstream society feels like it can only be applied to white people but i think we're living in a really wonderful age now where mainstream is really not becoming mainstream anymore true true so i think that is extremely beneficial and a win for any other community of color Mm -hmm. because now we can have social media or anywhere else or any other video that can go viral uh because we decide to and so the power really not necessarily the power the power i think is no longer in their hands yeah and i think that we as a a general collective we can demand and should demand more we should demand more diversity in beauty campaigns or fashion campaigns or just in general advertising campaigns right i feel like i hear a lot of advertisers say we're we're pushing towards diversity and size inclusion i hear a lot of that talk but when you actually see the campaigns come to fruition yeah, it's tough. It's not as progressive as we would like it to be. Like, we're no, not as, as we're not there yet. No, we're not, and it's gonna take a long. It's gonna it's gonna take a while. I'm the only thing I hope. Kind not the only thing. One of the things I do hope is, like like Fenty or like African American designers or Asian American designers. I would hope that they would also give back and want to promote models and all types of people that represent themselves you know i see what you're saying like i don't know how much rihanna has a say in who she can hire as models i bet she has a lot of say okay i bet i just hope that you know she does i bet she take care of her own people in who and what and what models get hired than a um like a l'oreal yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like right. a, a big corporation, I would imagine you have a harder time having say than someone like Rihanna, who's like, "This is my line. This is what I stand for," and it's reflected in the makeup line. Mm. I mean, what Rihanna did was not the smartest makeup move. Making a shade of makeup for more than a select amount of skin tones out there, right? Like that's not crazy inventive. It's just right. smart business, and it's the kind of smart business that. She has now made a plethora of colors for a bunch of different complexions, and now other makeup lines are struggling to keep up. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, again, like, Rihanna did it first. Yeah. Yeah. This black woman's labor opened y'all's eyes. Right. And now you guys are all scrambling to catch up to her. Right, 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 right. And, again, like, when... 
I guess relating this back to the body positivity movement, like give the black girl her things. Right. Give the black women the credit that is due. Right. Right. I think brands could step it up a ton in this arena. I agree. I think really making an extra effort to look at who you're casting. I think sometimes in casting, it might be a little bit tough because people have types just innately as human beings. We like what we like. Mm -hmm. And so when you hire one person, if they have particular tastes or preferences, that's more than likely going to shine through. But that's when I think us as a society can get loud and can get verbal and can say, look, we keep seeing this type of girl. We get it. Right. Your casting director likes high cheekbones and an hourglass. Yeah. I want. No cheekbones. Full, full figure. Full figure. Yeah. I want curvy all over. I don't want it to be classic Coke yeah. bottle shape. And I would like thick lips and dark skin. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there's progress and it's going to be slow, but it'll get there. Eventually. Eventually. We can nip this episode in the bud. Nip it I imagine away. someone's listening to this on a beach or something. Yeah. We just end it. <laughs> They like laid down and they're like, yes, I'm ready for this episode. Body positivity. Okay. Never mind. And now they're like, just kidding. They just cut my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was produced at Christian Humes over at Zeitheist. We are the Black and Yellow Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, the Black and Yellow Podcast. We're also on iTunes and Spotify. Please rate and review. We'd love to know what you think about our show. If you like it, if you don't like it. Don't forget to subscribe. Yes, press the little subscribe button so we can be new to Enjoy your summer, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.